0: Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 16, verses 1 through 11. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, you tell us that the, the grass withers and the flowers fall. The word of the Lord stands forever. Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning as we encounter your word together. Now that you would help us uh, to be those who are formed and shaped by it. Now that by your word and by your spirit, we would become more today Of the people that you have created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm sixteen, verses one through eleven. Say Miktam of David. nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Turning then to our New Testament reading, Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 36. This is uh, on... The day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit has come down on the disciples there in Jerusalem, and the crowd gathers and is wondering what in the world is going on. Uh, Maybe they've just been drinking too much, and Peter addresses that. And using words that should be familiar if you're paying attention to that song, Uh, Picking up partway through what he's saying, this is verse 22 and following. It says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy ones see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Does anybody know what day to day is i'm not i 'm not that off today Sunday the 20th that is correct um, and when I say what day to day is, uh, yeah we can go with the day of the month we can go with the day of the year um, but specifically i 'm asking about the day of the week and it is it is Sunday, and the reason that we gather together on Sunday is as said at the beginning um, we gather together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason we do so on Sunday is because it is the first day of the week. And there's something kind of special that happened on the first day of the week, uh, one week many years ago. And this is what we're going to read about today. And this is uh, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. This is, this is the reason we gather on Sundays, even to this day. John 20, verses 1 through 10. As early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. All right. I don't know if you've ever been to an Easter sunrise service, but this is where that tradition begins as well, is uh, gathering as Christians on Easter Sunday uh, before the sun comes up, while it's still dark. And this is where the story of the resurrection begins, is uh, with darkness. This is why the video that we just watched was so dark. It's because uh, when Mary Magdalene shows up, that's what it still is. Now, I think there's a uh, good reason for that that we're going to come back to in a second. But let's, let's just make sure we're all tracking with the events of that morning. So first you have Mary who comes to the tomb. And what does she see? Well, it's still dark, so it's kind of hard to tell what she's seeing. But what she sees is that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And when she sees that the stone is removed from the entrance, what does she do? Does she go inside and investigate? No, she does not. She sees that the stone is rolled away, and she's like, I'm out of here. She immediately jumps to the conclusion that somebody has taken the body of Jesus somebody has been messing with his tomb and you think about that it kind of makes sense if you come home and you get to your house especially if it's after dark and you see you have no front door you might want to call somebody before you just head on in maybe and you probably are going to jump to conclusions as to how it got that way this is what she does She assumes that uh, someone has taken Jesus out of the tomb. And so she runs and she tells Simon Peter and the other disciple. Do y'all remember who the other disciple is? It's it's particularly fun in this passage because he has to use this language so much it gets really awkward to say. But this is uh, the disciple who wrote this book. This is John who refers to himself this way throughout as a way of having his identity as the disciple that Jesus loved, as though having the experience with Jesus, is like I I cannot get over the fact that he loved me I know who I am, crazier than that, he knew who I was he knows who I am, and still he loves me, I can't get over that and so when he's writing about himself, he doesn't even use his name, he's just the disciple Jesus loved, so he keeps using the other disciple, the other disciple you know, the one Jesus loved So you have Peter and, uh, oh, we should mention, when we talk about Peter, that's not his uh, given name either at birth. This is Simon Peter, which is how he's introduced here. Simon is the name that he had been given, uh, which just means hearing, listening, that kind of thing. And then Jesus changes his name to Peter, which means rock. Rock. So we have uh, two people who have been, who are identified basically by the relationship to Jesus, as well as being disciples. This is who she runs and tells. And she tells them they have taken the Lord out of the tombs. That's all they know. And what's their response? Full speed ahead. They take off running. Uh, of course, John has to mention he did win the race. Um, Look, competitive nature doesn't just go away. So uh, so Peter and John run to the tomb to find out what in the world is going on. John gets there first, and he bends over, and he actually sees what's going on. But he doesn't go in yet. And then we have uh, Peter, who comes along, and gets there, and just straight in, because it's Peter. This is... This is kind of how he <laughs> rolls, you know, just full speed ahead, always act first. Think about it later. And uh, so he goes in and he sees what's going on there, sees the evidence laying there. And then John goes in and it says he sees and believes. Um, well, we talked about Mary and what she saw. And what she saw is that the stone had been rolled away. And so what did she think? She thought somebody had stolen the body, right? Grave robbers, something. Well, what did Simon Peter see? When he gets there, he actually goes in. He sees more than just the stone rolled away. He actually is able to go in because the stone is rolled away. And he sees the strips of linen lying there, the cloth that had been wrapped around his head. This is what he sees. What does he think has happened? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. Oh, don't you wish it would tell us? (laughs) Luke actually tells us Peter goes away wondering what had happened. That's a fair assessment. And in this, you ever read any Sherlock Holmes? Oh, my goodness. Every couple of years, I go through like another Sherlock Holmes phase where I just can't get enough of it. And um, and one of the things I love about it, one of the things that initially drew me to the Sherlock Holmes stories is that you get the perspective of Watson, who is right there, and who sees all the same stuff that Sherlock Holmes sees. And you get to the end, and Watson's like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I don't either. And then it explains, and uh, so Sherlock Holmes starts explaining and pointing out well, you remember when you saw this? Well, that's because this has happened. And he just walks through, and you're like, I saw all of those clues. I had no idea how they all fit together until he explained at the end. Oh, it's a fun ride. Anyway, <laughs> this is kind of where I see uh, Peter and John, is Peter sees the same evidence that John sees. And as far as we know, he goes away like Watson. I don't know. I, mean, I, I see the stuff, but I don't know what that means. And then we have John. What did John see? He actually sees it first. This is in uh, verse five, which says he bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, did not go in, and then he later goes in. He sees the same stuff that Peter sees. And what does it say that he thinks? It just says he believed. Believed what? What did he believe? Did he believe what Mary had said? That somebody had stolen the body? Is that what John believed? That would totally make sense if this is the only part of John you ever read. <laughs> if you've read the entire rest of this book, that's not how he talks about the word believe. The word believe is really big for him. And in fact, he says that the whole reason he wrote this book is so that you might believe. That Jesus is, this is actually, next page, uh, last verse of John 20. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is how John uses the word believe. I don't think he has a different understanding of that word in this section. So when John sees the strips of linen and the cloth lying there and he believes, it's he's believing that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. Why? What is it about this evidence that leads him to that conclusion? Well, there are several things. Um, in fact... I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, like an Easter sermon or something that just makes a big deal about the tomb being empty. The tomb being empty is a big deal. But for me, that's never been enough. (laughs) Because there are all kinds of explanations as to how this tomb could be empty, and plenty of people have put forward these other theories. Um... And so, I actually found a kind of a flow chart. I'm going to put this up on the screen, but um, it is, it's fun. It is a flow chart of all the possibilities of the tomb of Jesus as to whether it was either occupied or it was empty. And if it were occupied, then how did, how did that still happen that they ended up, you know, at the wrong tomb or what? Or that the tomb was empty. How did that happen? Because there are several possibilities. And that's always kind of the way I've viewed it as well. However, if all you know is an empty tomb, of course. There are plenty of other uh, options as to how that happens. However, like I say, when, uh, when you're looking for what John believes, if you're only looking at this one section, you might miss it. <laughs> and the same thing if you're only looking at the empty tomb. There are lots of explanations. If you read the rest of the Bible, there is only one explanation. And in fact, all the other theories break down at some point when you read the rest of the book. And that the, only, uh, possible, let me it again. the only possible explanation is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, what John sees is... Uh, The strips of linen lying there and for him that's enough he sees that the tomb is empty and the strips of linen linen and cloth are there how is this enough for him partly he had known jesus but also i think he had also seen jesus raise people from the dead before you remember lazarus john writes about that in chapter 11 Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and what's the first thing they have to do when Lazarus comes out of the tomb? They have to take the grave clothes off of him, right? He goes in, and he sees the uh, cloth lying there. Hey, wait a second. If somebody just came in to steal the body, they're not going to take the time to take off all the grave clothes first and leave that and just take the body. They just take the body. Grave clothes and all. So for John, when he walks in, he doesn't see what he's expecting to see based on Mary's report. Mary says someone stole the body. So he goes in and he looks and he does his little CSI investigation kind of thing and looks at the evidence and says, nobody took the body. That doesn't match. Not what I'm seeing here. Well, what does match? Well... I mean, I kind of hate to even say, (laughs) because it sounds so out there. That's what it looks like. And so for John, he sees this evidence. And to him, it ticks all the boxes, and he's like, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He has been raised from the dead. God has raised him, and that's where he is on this. That's where John is. And he's seeing this kind of Sherlock Holmes style. But not everybody is like John. Not everybody's like Sherlock Holmes. And so, what we're going to see over the next six weeks are appearances of Jesus after he's raised from the dead. And the way in which people who are saying, I don't know that that's the right explanation, surely there's something else end up meeting Jesus in person. And, oh, well, in that case, that's, that's a bit more. And so, uh, if you are kind of in the position of Peter this morning and going, hey, I see it's empty. I see the strips lying there. It doesn't do it for me. That's fine. Keep coming. <laughs> Keep reading. Um, because there's a lot more to the story. In fact, I heard from a man one time who had been in church most of his life decades and decades and told me that he had never heard a sermon preached on a resurrection appearance of Jesus it's like how is that even possible I mean that's like I say that's why we meet on Sundays this is what we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus how do you not talk about that but I think the reason for it is just you go up to Easter Sunday the tomb is empty hallelujah hallelujah And then you go back to some other part of the Bible. (laughs) And that's what he'd been living through his whole life. We're not going to do that. So we're going to spend the next six weeks looking at the resurrection appearances that John uh, details for us. And how Jesus shows up in people's lives uh, over the next 40 days. And the things that he does, the things that he says, and what that all means. Um, So like I say, if you are... uh, If you're like John already and going, oh, this is enough for me, good. If not, if you're still wondering about these things, keep coming. Um, I told you I'd get back to this other part, uh, the early on the first day of the week while it's still dark, what that's about. And that really, I think, ties in to a couple things. One, like we've already mentioned, that's what... uh, is part of what freaks Mary Magdalene out when she gets there. She sees a stone. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going in to a dark tomb while it's still dark. No, no, no. So she just runs away. But there's something else going on that I think is much more significant. And that's when we get down to the last uh, two verses where it says, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So the disciples went back to where they were staying. This, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. In my Bible, that's in parentheses, as though that's not really a main part of the story, like you could just skip over that. I don't think this is something you can skip over. I think this is the part that needs to be bolded and highlighted and circled and put a star by it in your Bible. They did not understand, Now they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. When Paul talks about uh, the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, and we've mentioned this before, he begins by saying, uh, what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, etc." But there's this according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. The disciples didn't understand that yet, but they would. If you uh, were paying attention, we were reading the, uh, our New Testament reading this morning from Acts 2. That's Peter who's up there preaching. And what Peter is preaching is how Jesus was fulfilling what had been talked about in the Old Testament. Did you catch that? And he's looking at Psalm 16, and he's saying, when David was talking about, uh, you will not let your Holy One see decay, That he wasn't talking about himself. David's tomb is still here. David died. He's still here. He's still buried. His body has decayed. But he was talking about the Messiah who was to come. And guess what happened with Jesus? His body did not decay. He died and God raised him to life again. And so looking at uh, all through the Old Testament, this is what the rest of the New Testament does. It just keeps tying back. Here's what God has said in the Old Testament And here's how that has uh, been fulfilled in Jesus. And particularly with the resurrection. Paul even tells us if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Then our faith is in vain. This is the thing. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead. We've got the wrong guy. And we need to be looking for somebody else. Why? Why is that such a big deal? And it's because looking back, they see this is what the Old Testament has been talking about the whole time. That God would send his Messiah and that he would be killed and that God would raise him to life again. This is the thing. This is the identifying mark of who this Messiah is. This is why when uh, John sees the strips of linen lying there, he believes. Even though he has not yet connected it to all the things in the Old Testament, he still has enough understanding. Uh, from what Jesus has been teaching. To see him as Messiah for this reason. Like I say, it connects to that first verse of early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one. Back to the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Think about that. There was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the way uh, the Hebrew Bible talks about time. This is the reason that Sabbath... Uh, begins at sundown on Friday and goes until sundown on Saturday. There's evening first, followed by morning. This is what, um, this is the uh, conception of the day, but it's the conception of the day also because it is the conception of how the whole story goes. How we begin with the, uh, the fall of humanity into darkness. But that Jesus is that morning light that then goes on into, you know, you look at Revelation and there's there's no more sun. You don't need any lamps because God is the light that just goes on. And so you go from this time of evening and darkness into uh, this eternal day. And right here in the middle is the turning point. Right here in the middle of <clears throat> all of human history, you have John tell us this early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, she goes. And I think there's uh, something to that, obviously, and that's just how it happened. But I think there's also something to it where then John says they still did not understand from the scripture. That in their not understanding, it's still this mystery. That everything is still obscured, kind of in darkness. But for the rest of the disciples, as the days go by, Jesus, the light of the world, shines on them, and they're able to see clearly. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they are able to connect all these dots they couldn't connect before. And the light shines in their hearts in a way that they had not experienced before. This um, connecting to scripture is something that the New Testament authors do the whole rest of the book. So in all these letters, you go through and look, and this is one of the things they're doing just constantly. Don't miss that. Um, in fact, when in Acts, Paul's going around, it says that uh, there's one group of uh, Jewish people who were actually of more noble character than this other group because this, this one group, the Bereans, uh, they actually they received the message that Paul was preaching. They received it with great eagerness. They're like, oh, this is great. This is cool. But they still examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And by examining the scriptures, that means they're reading their Old Testament. Is this really what, does this fit? Does this match? Is this what the Old Testament's talking about? And I said, doing that kind of checking up on it, it's good. (laughs) And it is right. And it is when you start seeing those connections from hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus uh, into the moment of his resurrection even. That there is, man, that's kind of, where lights start going on. This is one of the reasons why as we go through our Read Scripture plan and we read the whole Bible through every week that we are in the Old Testament, we ask the question, what are the Jesus connections? Where does this book point us to Jesus? Because they all do. Like I say. Uh, For John, he sees the linen, and that's enough for him. (laughs) I don't know if that'd be enough for me. I think I'm much more like uh, Watson than I am like Holmes. I kind of need it explained by the one who gets it. I will tell you, for me, it's this verse 9. This understanding from the scripture, that does it for me. And so if you need, like I say, we'll be looking at more Jesus appearances in, over the next several weeks. But I would really encourage you to read through your whole Bible. Just take a week, you know, read the whole thing. Um, okay, that's too much for that. But if you do not have a regular habit of reading your Bible day in and day out, do that. That is where you start to see these things. Um, and like I say, that is where uh, lights start coming on. <clears throat> there's another way in which, uh, like I say, for everybody, this is kind of different, what Mary saw and what she thought, what Peter saw, what he thought, what John saw, what he thought. But there's another uh, way, and that's just in personal encounters with Jesus. We're going to look at more later. But Luke tells us of one that John uh, doesn't. And that is when Jesus is walking with some disciples on the road to Emmaus. And these are people who, they had known that Jesus died. They had also known that some women had come, gone to the tomb and they said, you know, somebody stole the body, maybe he's raised from the dead. You know, they, they'd heard the reports. And they weren't sure what in the world to make of all of it. You know what Jesus did? It was beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He began to explain to them everything that was written about himself in the scriptures. He just takes them on an Old Testament survey and shows them how it's all been pointing to the Messiah who would die and rise again. And at that point, they still didn't recognize him until he comes to the breaking of bread. We're going to do that today. So you don't have time to go read through the whole Old Testament right now. But today we are going to break bread together. And uh, maybe for you, this will be where connections are made that you've not made before. Of who Jesus is and what it means for him to be the Son of God, the Messiah. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you've made. We thank you for all the days that you have made. or we do ask that, um, that you would shine your light in the dark. Places of our hearts. Or we ask that you would shine your light in the dark places of our minds. Or that we would see more clearly our own uh, impurities, whether of motivation or whatever else. We would see more clearly. In areas that have been confusing for us. Lord, help us to see who you are. Help us to see uh, who Jesus truly is, what that means for us, and what that means for the world. Lord, we thank you for the good news of Jesus. we pray you'd help us to never forget this good news and always be quick and willing to share the good news with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.